from the heartbeat of Toronto, East York, Ontario, Canada. It's the Ocho and Ortiz Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Dave Speed Ocho and Joshua the Mexican Ortiz. We are East York's number one wrestling podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Ocho and Ortiz are back in your life. On this week's episode, who the fuck knows what we're going to be talking about, but Ocho is going to go on a rant about the Raw Women's Championship. Let's get shit started. Josh, how's it going? You cut out your Josh. Oh, I end it with how's it going? It's going, it's going good, but off the top of what you just said, I am only maybe halfway through Raw. Okay, well, I'm going to spoil... I know what happened, so whatever. Yeah, I haven't even watched Raw at all. I know what happened. So, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, which is probably going to be Survivor Series weekend. Actually, yeah, let's do Survivor Series weekend. We still have to do our Smash review from, like, three weeks ago. From, this is Smash 4th Anniversary. That is going to be coming out maybe later this week or maybe next week. We will see. We're back to two WWE pay-per-views this month, so that's going to take up a lot of our time. But the Smash review will be out sometime, hopefully within the next week or two, if it's not out later this week. But before we get into... We do do have a break, I guess, because they're not doing any December show, so maybe we can just save that for December anyways. Yeah, no, Smash isn't doing a a December show, but we've got TLC coming up this weekend. So we're not even going to do a preview show for that. Fuck that. (laughs) But we'll probably have to do a review show for that. We've got Super Kit coming up on the 16th. We've got, if we end up going to the show in Oshawa, A1 on the 18th. Also, also Roadblock on the 18th. So, there is no Smash Show, but there is still a lot of wrestling in December. So, we'll try to get to the Smash Show probably, we'll try to get to the Smash Show probably next week if we don't get it done within the next day or two. Yeah, there's also Death Proof on uh, Sunday too. Yeah. Same day as TLC. Are we doing Death Proof? If I'm not working, I'm going to try. I don't know what my schedule for next week is yet, but I'm going to try to go there, see Mark Wheeler, see Holden Albright, friends of the show. I don't know. Yeah. Is Stratus, does Stratus do that? I'm not sure. I know one of my friends, I know Eddie Saps is going to be on that show for sure. Yeah, but fuck Saps. You don't even know, how can you say fuck Saps? You don't even know Saps. Because you always tell me Saps sucks, so fuck Saps. <laughs> oh, saps! I don't think he listens to this, so he doesn't. Matter. Yeah, so he 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 doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, well, I was talking to a friend of the show and fellow Sixth Cliff member Goose the other night, and I re- I think he said he might be going out to the A One show too. So I really want to go to that show. Well, fuck Goobs. Jeez, Dave's just in a bad mood tonight. Before we get, before I go on my rant about the WWE Raw Women's Championship, I do want to point out that you and I are doing a GoFundMe. As noted, our audio quality isn't the best. It's an issue that we've been having since day one. We've tried to improve here and there, but there's only so much you can do with free programming. So 
we realize we've got to spend money to get better equipment for better audio quality. But in order to do that, we need the money. So we have started a GoFundMe. I can't remember the link off the top of my head because it is a long link. I'm sorry. It is a long link. It is a long URL. There's a lot of dashes in there. But the link will be in the description box down below, whether you're listening to this on Podbean, Ocho and Ortiz.podbean.com, SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash Ocho and Ortiz, iTunes, we're on Stitcher now. Wherever you're listening to this, the link to our GoFundMe will be in the description box down below. We are trying to raise $225 to get better equipment, so anything you guys can donate would be greatly appreciated. We do have $5 already. So we only need $220 more. Anything extra that we get beyond the $225 will be invested back into the show. Probably go towards sponsoring other wrestling shows like the Wrestling in Greek Town, like Superkick. So anything you guys can afford, we would greatly appreciate it. GoFundMe does have a minimum requirement of $5, just as a heads up. You can't donate less than $5 on GoFundMe, as I found out through just playing around with it. So the minimum requirement is a $5 donation, but if you can afford to give more, we would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Thank you very much to whoever does decide to donate. So... Let's get into the Raw Women's Championship. You haven't seen Raw in its entirety. I haven't seen Raw at all from from this week. But we both know what happened. I fucking called it last week when this match was announced. You and I were live at Raw in Toronto when Charlotte made the announcement that fucking the rematch between her and Sasha would be this week in in her hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, and I fucking told you, I, t- I don't even know if you remember, but I turned to you and I said, that means Charlotte is gonna lose the title next week, because the WWE likes having their superstars lose in their hometown. Yeah, it's true. It is, it is very true, because not only, I mean, from what I saw, not only did Charlotte lose in her hometown, but so did Cedric Alexander, who was also from Charlotte, North Carolina. He lost his match on Raw as well. If if SmackDown had have been in Dublin, Ireland a couple of weeks ago instead of Glasgow, Scotland, then Alexa Bliss would be the SmackDown Women's Champion uh, champion right now. Yeah, that is that is actually so true. It's it's been like this for years. I don't know why, but the WWE just has a thing of having their superstars lose in their hometown. Yeah, I remember when Edge lost the world title here in Toronto to the Cena. Ironically, Trish won the women's championship here in Toronto in her last match. But for yeah, the most... That's why it was because it was her last match. Right? Yeah, ex- exactly. Like, it's a rarity thing. Like, anytime, anytime they're over in England, Neville always loses, Paige always loses... Like you can't you can't win in your hometown. You just can't. It's it's against WWE policy, I guess. <laughs> it's not even WWE. I don't even think it's it's Vince. It's yeah, that. I've heard it's always Vince. Yeah. Well, they should lose. But here here's the thing. So as I said, Charlotte would probably lose in in Charlotte, North Carolina, in her hometown, and she did. So Sasha Banks is your new Raw Women's Champion for the third fucking time since july this belt has changed hands five goddamn times since july and it fucking pisses me off it in my opinion it belittles the title for it to change hands that much secondly it belittles the title 
due to the fact that only two people have won it. It's changed five times and only two people have won it. Do a new fucking program and keep the belt on somebody for longer than six weeks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's here's what I'm. Okay. So I'm I am part of a group on Facebook, uh, a wrestling fan group, and I saw someone who was like, the internet wrestling community always wants longer programs, right? And then they get them, and then they get bored. It's not the program has not been bad. The matches have been great. It's the flipping of the title. Yes, that is exactly it. I don't care about the long program. You can have Sasha and Charlotte feud. It's the fact that the title has changed hands five fucking times since July. That is far too many times for that title to change hands in the course of five, six months. She won it. She won it last November. Yeah, back when it was still the Divas Championship, and then yeah. and then they made it the the Women's Championship in March or April, whenever WrestleMania took place. And then well, that, that's what I'm saying, right? Like before that, it was so officially as the Women's Championship title. Charlotte held it for the first time. I believe it was for a hundred and thirty-one days. Something around there. Combine, combined with the Divas Championship, it was like 307 days, her first reign. But at, at, strictly as the as the Women's Championship, once it was introduced at WrestleMania, I believe it was 131 days, her initial reign. Yeah, see, I, don't, I just don't, I don't know what else to say. I like, I like that Sasha's chance, I just don't like that they fucking switch it. And I'm going to be pissed if they fucking go back to that program at the next pay-per-view, because, you know, Charlotte doesn't lose on pay-per-view. Well, and I... Fuck. That's what pisses me off, because now you already... You automatically have her have a rematch, because she lost the... You have the championship rematch clause. So, you're gonna... You're gonna have... Like, for me, Charlotte should have fucking retained. And you... You can... You could have continued to build up that storyline of her not losing on pay-per-view, right? You could have carried that over to WrestleMania. And then at WrestleMania, you can have Sasha win the belt back, or you can crown Bailey as the champ, or Asuka, if you have Asuka come up by then. But, like, I, I like what they're doing storyline-wise with Charlotte winning at every pay-per-view and remaining undefeated at pay-per-view. I just hate the fact that the title's been changing hands so many times. Like, I think the perfect way for her to lose her her pay-per-view winning streak would be at WrestleMania. Yeah. Rather than say something like a, a like a roadblock. Even even if she lost even if she lost it at Rump- Royal Rumble, like have it be one of the big pay-per-views, not like one of the side pay-per-views. But what if what if they give that rematch like next week or the week after right before that and then you have can spin off the match between Charlotte and Bailey at the roadblock, so Charlotte keeps her win streak intact, and you have the Nia Jax and Sasha at roadblock, right? I mean, I 
guess you could do that. I just really don't want to see Nia Jax fighting for the championship. <laughs> like, she, does, she doesn't have to win. I know. I just, I'd rather see, fuck, anybody but Nia Jax. I'd rather see Alicia Fox than Nia Jax. I'd rather see Dana Brooke than Nia Jax. Fuck. I don't know what happened. Dude, I don't know. Do you remember how much I hated Dana Brooke? I don't know what happened. I'm kind of starting to become a little bit of a fan of Dana Brooke. Maybe it's because she doesn't wrestle here, as much as here, here's the Here's the other thing that bugs me about this, right? Is because you have Charlotte's pay-per-view winning streak thing going on, all of Sasha's wins have been on Raw. The first time it happened, fantastic. Because you don't see belts change on TV too often. It usually happens at the pay-per-view. It's like when... It's like when Samoa Joe beat Balor at a house show for the NXT Championship. That's something special that doesn't happen very often. But now they've done it so often that it's not this special thing anymore. Yeah. So it's almost like it's, it's let's say she ever loses it again and she gets her title shot again on Raw against somebody. It's like, oh, well, that means Sasha's winning. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it just, it pisses me off that they're doing that. But just going back for a sec here. Here's the list of reigns under the Women's Championship banner. So, it was created at WrestleMania 32. Charlotte had it for 113 days in her initial run. Sasha won it in July. She held it for 27 days. Charlotte won it back in August, almost a month later, four four days short of a month later, at SummerSlam, held it for 43 days. Sasha Banks won it on October 3rd. Once again, held it for 27 days, same as her first reign. Charlotte won it on October 30th at Hell in a Cell, held it for 29 days. And now Sasha's currently in her second day under her third reign. It's just, let somebody hold it for more than three, for more than six weeks, like, please. (laughs) I agree. I totally agree, Dave. (laughs) I, I don't care about, like you said, the long feud, I don't care about a long feud. I like long feuds. Yeah. Just don't switch the title so often. What? Just don't switch the title so often. That's all I'm asking for. Let somebody hold it for like three or four months before you switch it. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm good with long feuds. Freaking, one of my favorite long feuds is freaking Kevin Owens, or at that time, Kevin Steen and El Generico. They fucking fought for like three years in Ring of Honor. Three years. But you know what? You know what the best thing about it? They only had like Maybe one or two title matches. Yeah. But three years, it was great. But they kept it interesting. But that's my little rant on the women's title. So let's get into some Survivor Series weekend. I almost said SummerSlam weekend. Survivor Series weekend. That was a fucking crazy good weekend for us. Which took place here in Toronto. For us, it started on the Friday at Superkick. I'm not really going to review the Superkick show. I'm sorry, but like, I didn't take notes. I know you didn't take notes. I really don't remember anything from that show because that weekend, everything is just kind of blurred together and not having... What's that? Yeah, yeah, there was a fucked up finish in the in the t- championship match, but Chris Chambers ended up retaining, and Jake something beat Young Miles for the King of the Six championship, and he won the Battle Royal to become the number one contender for the Superkick championship against Chris Chambers, and he joined the Cure. Yeah, big big weekend for uh, Jake something there here at Superkick. Yeah, glad to see that dude is talented as fuck. 
that was that was awesome. But other uh, other than that, I don't really remember the winners and losers from 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 that weekend. The first match was Wheeler and um, Del Bruno. Del Bruno, that was phenomenal. I think Wheeler won that, but I don't fucking remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he won that just because I said I can't use the hashtag marked up fucked up. <laughs> But, we'll see what happens this Sunday at But, yeah, no, it was a good show as always, just without taking notes, which was a bad decision considering it was Survivor Series weekend and we had so much other stuff going on. I don't really remember too much. So that's pretty much going to be our review from Super Kicked. The next show is all the way up, and that is on December the 16th. Tickets are on sale now, so be sure to grab them at superkicked.com. We are not going to be sponsoring this one, so we will be buying our tickets at some point. Just aren't sponsoring it, but we're still going to be going. So all the way way up on December the 16th. And then after that, on the Saturday, we had the NXT TakeOver live from Toronto, and this was a great show. Oh, you're just going to skip over meeting everybody, huh? Well... Weekend dinner before, and the night before, kind of, the last five minutes of Survivor Strikes. Yes, we met a lot of great people, Josh, but, and we had some great food. We got, we got to have dinner with the guys from the law and one of my heroes, Jim Ross. It was really great. I sat beside Jim Ross at, at dinner and I, I don't get starstruck often, but I was starstruck with Jim Ross. He's a great dude, really down to earth. It was, I, I appreciate the guys at the law giving us that opportunity, giving other people that opportunity through title belt trivia that they do on their show. It was a good time. The food was good. I felt the ribs. I, I felt the, the barbecue ribs. I felt they were a little dry for my liking. But other than that, the rest of the food was good. That salami was delicious. Yeah. That, that fucking, like, garlic bread. Oh. The barbecue... The I want to eat just all the garlic bread. The barbecue salami did not look good, but it tasted delicious. It fucking looked like spam. <laughs> it did. It did look like fucking spam, but it tasted delicious. Yeah, yeah, it really did. So, NXT TakeOver Toronto, first first TakeOver special in Canada, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the first TakeOver special outside of Full Sail that Triple H did not do an introduction for because he didn't he did a he did an introduction for both the Brooklyn shows for London and I think he did one at the Dallas show so I think this was the first non full sale takeover show that Triple H did not do a intro beforehand I guess, I guess so I, to be honest I didn't I didn't even catch that because he always does he always does the openings yeah and he was there he was there yeah he, we would see him right on him so before we actually get into NXT TakeOver, let's pause for a moment and take a little little ad break. Hold on one sec. Hello friends, are you like us, a small podcast looking to grow? If you are, and you want to get your name out there, we're looking for fellow podcasters to share 30 second promo spots with. Contact us on Twitter at Ocho and Ortiz or through Gmail, Ocho and Ortiz at gmail.com if you'd be interested in splitting a couple of 30 second promo offs. We'll do a promo for our show that you'll air on yours, you'll do a promo for your show that will air on ours. 
Once again, if you're interested, contact us on Twitter at OchoAndOrtiz or through our Gmail, OchoAndOrtiz at gmail.com. Hey gang, do you like Seinfeld? Do you like British comedy like Fry and Laurie? If so, you should check out our friends over at What Would My Nona Say podcast. They're two British guys that do a podcast about nothing, and it's great. You can find them on Stitcher, you can find them on Podbean, and I'm sure they're probably most likely on SoundCloud. You can also follow them on Twitter, at Mynona Podcast. That's at Mynona, N-O-N-N-A, Podcast. And if you want to find them on Podbean or Stitcher, just look for What Would Mynona Say in the search bar. What Would Mynona Say Podcast. Two British guys talking about nothing. What's not to love? What would your Nona say? And we're back! So, yes, we've added some commercial breaks to try and make ourselves a little bit more legitimized as a podcast. But let's get into a little NXT TakeOver. So... As as most people expected, it started with Bobby Roode versus Ty Dillinger. I kind of half expected the tag team titles to start the show just because I didn't think that they would put tag team matches back to back. Considering they also had the Dusty Rhodes tag team classic on this card, but I was wrong. They would of they would end up putting tag team matches back to back. They started with Rude and Ty Dillinger. This match was fantastic. It set the pace for crowd chants for the rest of the weekend. And <laughs> I you said the weekend and not just the night. For the weekend. And Bobby Rude's entrance was amazing. Bobby Rude's entrance was glorious. Yes, yes, it was. I was starting off with the choir. That looked awesome. It did. And I have that video up on our YouTube channel. From my vantage point, it was we. I had really good seats. You, you had, you had good seats. We weren't sitting together. We were sitting a couple of aisles apart. You were what one eighteen? I was one twenty one. Yeah. And yeah, no, but the seats were still good. The view was still good, and that entrance was amazing. It was nothing compared to to the final match of the night, but we'll get to that. But. During this match, at one point, the the crowd started chanting, fix the apron, because the apron on the non-camera side of the of the ring had completely fallen down. So the crowd was chanting, fix the apron, and I was going through Twitter after, and everybody watching NXT on the network was pissed off at us chanting that, because on TV, the camera, the, the apron on the camera side was the LED screen. So they had no idea why the fuck we were chanting chanting that and people on twitter were pissed off because they thought we were hijacking the show but we were trying to be helpful and tell the ring crew to fix the apron because it was really really fucking exposed we're not talking it was we're not talking about it being like just a little bit down it was completely fucking off yeah yeah it was good you could you could see straight underneath the, the ring there yep yeah you could see everything all the ropes and whatnot pulling it down so, yeah. But that would be that would be the first really loud crowd chant of the night. And then at some point, it wasn't it wasn't the first time they were outside of the ring. I don't think it was the second. I think it was the third time they were outside of the ring and the ref started to do the 10 count. 1 2 3. Normally the count 
the normally the crowd counts with the ref. One, two, but because it was Ty Dillinger, every time the ref counted, the crowd would just chant, ten, ten, ten. And that became a thing all throughout the weekend. Anytime the ref started the ten count to count people out, the crowd in Toronto would chant, ten. Ty Dillinger was the most over person in Toronto last weekend, and it was amazing. It was a perfect 10 reaction for Ty Dillinger. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. I loved it. And I know there are people out there that aren't fans of it. I know Kingdom, who we both love and we both respect, but he was not a fan a fan of it. Personally, I absolutely loved it. I, I, I think it's great to have crowd reactions like that. I can understand people shitting on crowds when they hijack the show. For example, at WrestleMania after New Orleans, when the crowd hijacked the hijacked the show and were chanting at the women, like when they were chanting at AJ Lee, "You suck, punk," and they were oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and they were chanting at Nikki, "You suck, Cena." I can understand people hating crowd chants like that when they're being morons. But when you're try- when you love a performer and you're trying to help get them over. I don't think there's anything wrong with with the chance that Toronto came up with. There was one chant that I had an issue with, which we'll get to later on. But, you know, the WWE put themselves in that position, to be quite honest, with the chant that I'm going to get to later on. But the Ty Dillinger 10 chance, I had no issues with. Yeah, I love, I love the Ty Dillinger 10 chance. I wanted to keep it going on Raw, which we did. And I, uh, hope, I hope it continues. I don't think it obviously it didn't continue on Raw so far. But I could see it continuing out down in full sail on NXT. I don't think it continued on SmackDown last week in Ottawa either. I think Ottawa killed it. Well, that's because Ottawa's not Toronto and fuck Ottawa. Yeah, fuck Ottawa and fuck the Red Blacks. Fuck your sub-500 team being Grey Cup champions. First champion, first championship in, in 40 years. I don't give a fuck. You've had your team full twice. Ah, fuck you, Ottawa. (laughs) So I really thought Ty Dillinger would go over in this one because Bobby Roode can afford to take the loss. But Bobby Roode picked up the win. Uh, Something else I wanted to touch on, and I I mentioned this to you after the show and you said you hadn't noticed it. But when they introduced Bobby Roode, normally they introduce him from Toronto, Ontario, but they didn't intru- they didn't say where he was from when they introduced him this time. They just said introducing the glorious Bobby Roode because I think they knew if they had said Toronto, the crowd was just going to pop huge. And with Bobby supposed to be the bad guy, I don't think they wanted as big of a reaction as he would have got if he was announced from Toronto. But yeah, I I just found it funny that they refused to announce him from Toronto for this one. But Ty ended up taking a loss, which I was shocked with because I really thought Ty needed to go over in this one. But like I said, the crowd would end up putting him over huge the rest of the weekend. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought a loss would not have hurt Bobby. Bobby Roode. And I thought I thought just because Dillinger has lost so much that it would have been perfect for him to get this win over Roode. And Roode could have... Let's be realistic. After this feud with Nakamura and Joe, it looks like Root is the next person to go to, right? I I, I guess. I mean, here's the thing: if Joe if Joe beats Nakamura again, then you have you have heel versus heel and Root and Joe. See, but okay, 
So if Nakamura wins, then then it then it makes perfect sense, right? But if 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 Joe retains, then you could have put Ty in that spot with him coming off a big win over Bobby Roode. That's what I'm saying. It makes it makes more sense. I guess we sort of just gave away the ending of the event too. <laughs> It, if you don't already know, the they've been waiting and anticipating for the Ocho and Ortiz review of uh, of NXT going over, and then they're gonna go watch it, right? It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> I want to believe people listen to us before they watch things. Stoning that home just sitting there. When the fuck is my episode coming out? I want to watch Takeover. <laughs> One day that will be a reality. Don't crush my dreams. <laughs> so, from there, we had the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Authors of Pain taking on TM61. TM61 kind of impressed me in this match, but, I mean, I'm still not as into them as everybody else seems to be. Paul Ellering was suspended in a shark cage above the ring, and... I thought, I even said on the prediction show, that he would find a way to get lowered down and escape and help them win. He did try to interfere at one point by, I guess he managed to get the the chain lock off of the cage, and he threw it down to, I don't know which member of the Authors of Pain he threw it to, but he threw it to one of the Authors of Pain, and he went to hit TM61 with it, but he missed, and the chain went flying into the crowd and almost hit some guy in the audience. But other than that, there was no interference from Paul Ellering like I was expecting. And Authors of Pain ended up going over clean. There was one spot where one of the members of TM61 climbed the structure that was hanging, that was used to hang the, the cage. And he did a dive off of that structure onto the, onto the floor. And it looked awesome. Yeah, I saw that. And then after that, I left to go get cotton candy for Angie and a drink for me. So yeah. I didn't really see most of that match or any of that match, really. Yeah, I mean, you this... Know, this would have been funny for Paul Ellering if he were trying to get involved, but he couldn't. He just took off his shoe and threw it at one of TM61. <laughs> I would have laughed. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Great. Or not just his leather jacket. Just throw his leather jacket. Like, <laughs> yeah, throw his Damn. leather jacket. Throw, th- no, no, like, throw off his, it, use his leather jacket and throw, I mean, you would have to have it, like, work out perfectly, which, you know, it may not, it could be a botch, but you could have had him throw his jacket onto one of the members of TM61, have it land on his face so it's covering his face and stuff, and then, yeah. and then Authors of Pain take advantage of it that way. I, that would have been interesting to see, but, yeah, no. no one of them getting hit in the head with a shoe. Yeah, that would that would have been hilarious. But Authors of Pain went over cleanly for the most part, other than that one chain thrown incident. It was a clean win for them, so they're your 2016 Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Memorial Classic champions. And at the end, the trophy was presented by Regal, Triple H, and Goldust. And yeah, I mean, it was a 10-minute match. It was It was an okay match. It wasn't... 
it was probably, I mean, it wasn't a bad match by any stretch of, of the imagination, but it was still clearly the worst match on the card, which was then preceded by probably the best match on the card, which was the two out of three falls match for the NXT Tag Team Championships between The Revival and Gargano and Ciampa. This match was absolutely amazing. Yeah, that match was really, really good. I really liked that match. So, Revival ended up taking the first the first pinfall. Gargano and Ciampa took the second pinfall, and then Gargano and Ciampa won when they both when they had both members of the Revival in submission holds, and then they tapped out together, and then dot. Uh, Champa and Gargano DIY are your new NXT tag team champions. There were some great spots in this match. There was one spot where Gargano and Champa actually hit the revival with their own finishing move, the Shatter Machine. Yeah. And then the revival tried to return the favor by they had Gargano down in the ring and they were going to try to do the double super kick like Gargano and Champa do to their opponents. But Gargano moved out of the way. They ended up super kicking each other. And I believe that's when what led to the final pinfall submission finish. But there were a couple, there were some really good spots in this match, but it was just a, a really good classic back and forth tag team match. And for me personally, and I know from a lot of other people that I've seen on Twitter and read on Facebook reviews and stuff, this was definitely match of the night. Yeah, no, it was. It, it was- Absolutely phenomenal, and I love I love getting to see Gargano and Champa win here in Toronto. I mean, they're not they're not from Toronto, but they hold a special place, especially Gargano, uh, Johnny Gargano, who is the Smash Wrestling Champion here in Toronto for over four hundred days. We we tried to get uh, this is Smash chant going. Yeah, I tried to get it going in my section. You tried to get it going in your section. Crises and uh, crises, crises and blue. Shout out to crises and blue. Tried to get it going in their section. James, James Key, Key tried to get it going in his section. So there were a bunch of people in different sections trying to get it going, but unsuccessfully, unfortunately. Yeah, we tried. Yeah, we tried. So from there, we had the NXT Women's match: Mickey James versus Oscar. I went for a bathroom break at this point, so I missed the beginning of this match but it was it was still a really good match with mickey mickey did look phenomenal but oscar ended up going over and retaining her title i don't think it surprised anybody at the end mickey went to shake oscar's hand and oscar refused to shake it hinting at a possible oscar heel turn which would set up perfectly for her going against ember moon if you're going to have ember moon going in as a face you can have oscar going in as the cocky heel believing she's the person that nobody can beat so it does set up that perf- that that non-handshake perfectly sets up an opportunity to turn Asuka so you can have a heel versus face matchup with Asuka versus Ember Moon. I, I think if that's where you go, I think Ember Moon is the one to dethrone Asuka and Asuka moves up to the main roster. I think, I think Eva Marie. Uh, Dave, we're no longer friends. <laughs> I think you have Eva... Job, Dave. I think you have Eva Marie go back down to NXT, and then you have her beat Asuka, and she's the one that, that ends Eva Marie, uh, Asuka's reign as women's champion. Nope, this is the, uh, 
shut up Dave segment of of the show. Shut up Dave. Oh, you mean this is the edited out section of the show? Listen, you're gonna hurt. You're gonna you're gonna hurt JD like that. <laughs> I'm this sorry. Boots idea who wanted who said there should be a shut up Dave segment in every show. Well, he said he likes the shut up Dave segment in every show, but sometimes you do it and it sounds forced. You can't have a forced segment. Shut up Dave. You shut up Josh. <laughs> This isn't the Shut Up Josh segment. There is no segment for that. No, I just created it. No. Fine, then it's going to be Fuck Off, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, from there, we had the main event of the evening, which saw Samoa Joe taking on NXT champion Shinsuke Nakamura. And we thought his entrance at the last takeover with the, what is it, the violin player? Yeah. We thought that was awesome. This was just over-the-top awesome. He had, like, ten violin players playing his entrance theme as he came in. It was absolutely fucking phenomenal. Yeah, and then when he got in the ring, there was four of them playing. And when he does his, like, when he runs to the ropes and, like, screams and goes down, there was, like, one or two of them just standing right over to top of him playing to his song. It, was, it looked really, really awesome. Yeah, I know. It, it, it looked phenomenal. And this match was great. Sorry, we're at like 42 minutes. So I'm not going to go into any, I'm not going to go into a lot of details from here on out for either TakeOver or SummerSlam. So I, I'm not going to get into too many details, but I will point out something. So at one point, was it Joe had Nakamura in the crossface? Yeah. Which of course led a portion of the Toronto audience to start Chris Benoit chants, which I'm always embarrassed when people chant Chris Benoit chants. Like, don't. You 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 know why he's not brought up on WWE television. You know what he did. Whether you respected the man as a wrestler while he was alive, that what he did at the end of his life overshadows all of his in-ring accomplishments. Chanting Chris Benoit is is an example of a crowd hijacking a show and I I thought it was wrong and I thought it was stupid. But like I said, WWE sort of put themselves in that in that position by allowing the cross face to be used. But in the end, Samoa Joe would hit well at one point Shinsuke hit Samoa Joe with the Kinshasa, but Samoa Joe kicked out and Samoa Joe would eventually hit Shinsuke with the Muscle Buster, cover him for the 1-2-3, and shockingly regain the NXT Championship, making him the first ever two-time NXT Champion. And I think a lot of people were surprised because I think a lot of people were expecting something to be set up the next night at Survivor Series for him and Brock, but with him retaining, or sorry, with him regaining the championship, obviously that did not happen. Yeah, I was really, really shocked that that, uh, that uh, I couldn't believe that that happened, especially with the with the entrance for Nakamura and everything going on. I was just like, wait, what, what, what do you mean Samoa Joe is now the champion? I was a little shocked, but that did get Samoa Joe to make history as he is now the first person to ever beat Shinsuke Nakamura since he debuted in the WWE, and he's also the first ever two-time NXT champion. Yes. This leads us... To me, it makes it feel very special because if you go to, like, Ring of Honor, there's only ever been two people who've ever won that Ring of Honor world title twice. Uh, One being... Adam Cole, baby! Yes, and the current champion, Adam Cole. So, yeah, it is... Uh, I'm I'm, 
I feel a little shocked that you know that reference, Dave. You don't think I know Adam Cole? No, I know you know who Adam Cole is, but I'm shocked that you know the Adam Cole baby reference. Considering I don't know how the hell you watch Ring of Honor a lot. Not a lot, but I. Yeah, I, I mean, I try to catch it every week. I mean, I'm trying to catch up right now for the final battle pay per view. But yeah. But I also, I've also gotten into watching a lot of the PWG pay per views on Watch Wrestling. Speaking of that, have you started Bola or seen Bola yet? No, I've sort of been going in sequential order of uh, this year's pay-per-views, starting with Bowie and I think, am I on Prince now? I think I'm on Prince. No, the year started with Lummy and then it was Bowie and yeah, now I think I'm on Prince. Do they, do they just name their pay-per-views after people who just passed away? At the beginning of, the, of this year, they did, yeah. Okay, I didn't even know that. So <laughs> is like their next one going to be like Castro? <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it will be, but but it would be hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, I mean I don't. Really, I mean I try to catch PWG once in a while, but I'm. I mean I'm really. I'm watching Bolo because I really want to watch that tournament. Yeah, their first three shows this year were Lemmy. Bowie and Prince, and then they had like their regular ones, like the tag team tournament DDT four, whatever. I can't remember the official name. Bola, and then like so they're they're regular ones after that. But on to Survivor Series. Oh, are we actually going to do this? Considering we're already at like fifteen minutes. Yes, but we're going to run it down quickly. We're not going to go over. We're not going to go over a lot of spots or anything because Survivor Survivor Series sucked anyways. So. Yeah. So the first mat, well, okay. So the pre-show matches. The first pre-show match was a six-man six-man tag team match in the cruiserweight division. T.J. Perkins, Rich Swan, and Noam Dar defeated Gulak, Tony Nese, and Arya Davari. And then the second pre-show match, Kane defeated Luke Harper. Which I don't know why Luke Harper should be going over Kane at this point in their careers. Kane should not be going over Luke. Luke Harper. Why were those matches on the pre-show days? <laughs> Why the fuck were those matches on the pre-show? Why the we'll fuck? Get to that later, Dave. Why the fuck did they decide to make this show four hours long? So the the first. Why ma- was there an extra two-hour pre-show? The 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 first the first match on the main card was the Team Raw Women versus the Team SmackDown Women, with the Team Raw Women winning when Bailey beat. Was it Becky Lynch she ended up beating? Yeah, Becky was the last one, because I think I stopped watching after Alexa got eliminated. Yeah, so... That's happened more than once. Whenever Alexa gets eliminated from some type of match, I stop watching. So, Carmella was the first one eliminated at 6 minutes and 23 seconds. She was eliminated by Alicia Fox. And then Alicia Fox was quickly eliminated thereafter by Alexa Bliss. Then Naomi was eliminated... By Countout, Sasha Banks was eliminated by Natalia, and then Natalia was eliminated by Charlotte. Nia Jax was eliminated by Becky Lynch, who actually managed to get her in the disarmor and make her tap out. Alexa Bliss was then eliminated by Charlotte, and Becky Lynch was eventually eliminated by Bailey. And at the end, Charlotte turned on Bailey to let them know, "Hey, we were team members, but this thing is over now. So you and I have beef." Yeah, I was gonna say, wait, how could they? Uh... How could they? How could Charlotte turn on them? They're not even friends. Well, I, I understand what you're saying now. They turn on <laughs> the teammate thing. Yeah. Yes, yes. From there, after that match, we had the Miz, the new Intercontinental Champion, having defeated Dolph, Dolph Ziggler. Z- 
Dolph Ziggler a couple nights before on SmackDown, taking on Sami Zayn. The Miz won when Maurice, well, Sami Zayn had Miz in the sharp, was it the sharpshooter he had him in? He had him in a submission hold. Pretty sure it was the sharp, sharpshooter. Could have been sharpshooter, I don't know. Could have Grab. I think it was the sharpshooter. Uh, I'm gonna go with sharpshooter. Zayn had Miz in the sharpshooter, sharpshooter, and then Maurice ran over to the timekeeper's table and rang the bell. So Sammy thought the match was over. He was celebrating, which allowed Miz to roll him up and get the one, two, three, get the pin and retain the Intercontinental Championship. I thought this was stupid. I thought Sami Zayn should have been the Intercontinental Champion. Have that title go over to Raw and have the Cruiserweights go over to SmackDown. But apparently WWE doesn't like logic, so fuck that. <laughs> that was so bullshit, man. Like, I, I don't know if they were... I don't know if it was, like, a direct type thing of trying to be, like, a Survivor Series Montreal thing, but that was some bullshit. Yep. Yeah, it was it was terrible. From there, we had the tag team Survivor Series matchup with The New Day, Sheamus and Cesaro, Enzo and Cass, The Shining Stars, and Gallus and Anderson for Team Raw, taking on Slater and Rhino, The Hype Bros, American Alpha, Brazongo, and the Usos for Team SmackDown. Team SmackDown ended up winning this. I thought Raw was going to win the tag team. Sorry, no, I thought... Yeah, SmackDown was the one that I thought was going to win the, the tag team. And I thought Raw was going to win the women and the men's. Yeah. And it was, actually, it was actually Raw that won the tag team. I thought SmackDown was going to win it, but Raw ended up winning the tag team Survivor Series matchup. New Day was the first team eliminated from the Raw side. Brazongo was the first team eliminated, period. They were eliminated 41 seconds in. And then New Day was eliminated at a minute and six seconds in. I'm not going to go over all the eliminations. But the final elimination came when Sheamus and Cesaro beat the Usos. When Cesaro put, I think it was Jimmy in the sharpshooter and made him tap out. So... Cesaro and Sheamus won the tag team Survivor Series matchup for Team Raw. That was that was a match that went 18, 18 minutes, 55 seconds, just under 19 minutes. The women's Survivor Series match went 17 and a half minutes. We'll get to the men's side. That one went really long. We'll get to that one in a sec. From there, we had the cruiserweight championship with brian kendrick taking on kalisto i called this ahead of time i said this was the match that was going to end in disqualification or a count out finish and that's what happened i just had the winner picked incorrectly brian kendrick ended ended up winning by disqualification when baron corbin ran down to the ring and first knocked brian kendrick out of the way thus causing the disqualification and then beating up kalisto for me, it would have made more sense for Baron Corbin just to go straight after Kalisto, have Kalisto win by disqualification, and then you set up this loophole thing that, well, Kalisto won, technically, the matchup, so the cruiserweight division should be coming over to SmackDown. But, again, that's not what happened because WWE does not like to use logic. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. So stupid. I mean, I'm I'm happy Kendrick is still the the champion, and I'm happy I was right that it was a DQ finish. I'm just not happy with the way that it ended up going down. From there, we had the men's traditional Survivor Series matchup with Team SmackDown consisting of AJ Styles, 
Dean Ambrose, Randy Orton, Shane McMahon, and Bray Wyatt, with James Ellsworth as mascot by ringside, taking on Team Raw, Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Braun Strowman. This was a match that, because of time, because WWE wanted this pay-per-view to be four hours, they made this match go 53 minutes. And, I mean, it was... It was it wasn't a bad 53 minutes. Like, it was a really, really good match for a 53-minute matchup. But there was no reason that it needed to be 53 minutes other than WWE fucked up on their time and everything. Yeah, it was 53 minutes. It didn't need to be 53 minutes. So, a couple of key spots in this matchup was, uh, at one point, Chris Jericho was about to be hit by the... Hit by... A- Chris Jericho was about to be hit with the Styles Clash by AJ Styles. And then Kevin Owens came in and hit AJ Styles in the back with the list of Jericho, which ended up causing Kevin Owens to be disqualified and eliminated from the matchup. And then Chris Jericho was so worried about the list of Jericho being ruined and the pages flying all over the place that he ended up being counted out because he was trying to gather all the pages together. Another spot in this match was the Shield reuniting as Dean Ambrose, who had already been eliminated, came down to the ring to help Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns beat up AJ Styles. And they reunited briefly to do their whole Shield powerbomb through the table thing as they powerbombed AJ Styles through the table, which eventually led to AJ Styles getting pinned and eliminated, which helps to set continue to set up a feud between AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose going into TLC for their championship match this coming Sunday. And then one of the other spots was Braun Strowman was eliminated when he was counted out because James Ellsworth was underneath the ring holding his foot making sure that he couldn't get back into the ring. This led to Braun Strowman just completely obliterating James Ellsworth and throwing him off of the stage onto a table. But Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt would pick up the win for Team SmackDown, and this would be the only traditional Survivor Series matchup that Team SmackDown would win on the night. I was surprised because I thought this one would go to Raw. Yeah, me too. I thought the women's one and and the Smack the 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 tag teams would go to SmackDown. Yeah, that's that's what I thought too. But once again, WWE doing WWE things. From there, we had our 92nd main event as Goldberg defeated Brock Lesnar with two spears and a jackhammer. I don't know. Can we run through down this whole match or no? I just did. Two spears and a jackhammer. That's fucking bullshit, Dave. Why? Why would you have two pre-show matches? Okay, it was 90 seconds. And, you know, pay-per-views usually go like an hour. Like, well, big pay-per-views go at least 15 to 30 minutes late. No. This fucking ended 30 minutes early. Why would you put on two pre-show matches if you're going to fucking make this main event only 90 seconds? Why? Why would you make the show even four hours if your own main event is only going to be 90 seconds? I don't know, Josh. It's, uh, well, I don't know. I find it stupid because, like, what's the point of setting up a rematch? Like... Okay, so going into this, we didn't know that Goldberg had had signed to stay on with WWE. We thought this was a one and done, which in that case, it would have made sense to put Brock over, keep Brock strong. Or even if he did decide to come back, which as it turned out, he did put Brock over to set up a, a, a 
third and, and final rubber match between them. But, but there's no point in that now because Goldberg's already won two times. So if you do a third match and Brock wins, what's what's the point? Because Goldberg still has the number two to one. Like, it's just, yeah, it, it's stupid booking. It's stupid booking. And now he's in the Royal Rumble trying to go for one last title run, as he would come out and say the next night on Raw. Which I would, when the crowd is chanting yes, you and I are chanting no. Yeah, I don't want that to happen at all. Goldberg was never good. He, he, he's only built for 90-second matches. He was only ever built for 90-second matches. Anytime he tried to do matches that were longer, he was exposed as a weak wrestler. I, I've never been a fan of Goldberg's. Well, I mean, I guess initially when I was a kid and he first came out, I bought into the hype and it was just something awesome to see when I was, I got older and I just, I, I realized that he wasn't really that good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've just haven't been a fan since I had no interest in this match and it was just, it was even more disappointing than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I was just not happy. But uh, we'll we'll wrap it up there because we're at a minute and two seconds. Sorry, we're at we're at an hour and two minutes, not a minute and two seconds. <laughs> and it's very very late in the, in the night, as you can tell by me not being able to read the time properly. We're at an, an hour and two minutes, so that seems like a good place to wrap it up. Like I said at the beginning of the show, we will do a review on this is smash fourth anniversary at some point hopefully within the next week but coming up this sunday death proof in toronto followed by the wwe pay-per-view tlc which is a smackdown brand pay-per-view headlined by aj styles versus dean ambrose for the wwe championship and if i'm not mistaken i think is the roh pay-per-view this weekend as well yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's nice, Dave. <laughs> so on that note, we'll wrap it up. All the social media links will be down below, including the links to our friends of the show. Be sure you check them out. Be sure you check us out. And if you can, once again, help support us on our GoFundMe. Josh, do you want to take yeah, us out of here? That's about it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You cut out. Do you want to do that exit again? We'll talk to you again soon. I am Joshua Mixman. Please forward Dave Speedo Show. Have a good night. Bye.